guys? How you guys doing? What's up? Hey, uh, we're in the middle of our uh, Bible Heroes series, and I hope you guys have been enjoying it, hearing about Bible Heroes. But here's, here's the one thing. We're not just trying to tell you about Bible Heroes so you're smarter about Bible Heroes. You can like, you go to work, I'm all, I'm smart now. I know about Bible Heroes. Really, the ultimate goal is that we want to inspire you about these guys in the Bible so that you can be a hero yourself, that it will inspire you to do heroic things. Don't you guys agree? Three people in the front row, great. Okay, cool. Um, and I, I'm just telling you, that's, that's the main goal, is that we want you guys going out there and doing things for Jesus, Jesus Christ, making a difference. And, and I, I get it, because I think when you hear the word hero, especially in today's terms, what do you think? You think Avengers? You think Marvel? I want, can I take a poll? Any Marvel people out there? Any DC people out there? Nobody. All right. I'll tell you. I'm sorry. I'm a Marvel guy. I totally grew up on reading Marvel stuff. But we think a hero means wearing a cape, right? Tight uniform, big muscles, and we will never be like that. But the question I want to ask you today, this morning, before we get into anything else, is who are the heroes in your life? And what I mean by that, they didn't wear a cape, they didn't wear a tight suit, they might have not been in shape at all. <laughs> But they shaped your life. They did something. They inspired you. They might have saved you. They, they might have saved you from a life that you were going towards, but they pulled you out of it somehow. And you kind of want to be like them. You, they inspire you to this day. And, and they are, uh, you are who you are today in part of what they did. Who is that person? And so I asked myself that question, and I, I had a list of names. And the most awesome thing on Friday, before I even preached the sermon on Friday, at the Friday service, I walked into Starbucks, and I saw two of my heroes. You know, one of them was my old youth leader when I was a kid. It's like me and Carl's youth leader, and another guy was a worship leader when I was growing up, too. So these two guys just inspired me. I'm like, man, I want to be like that guy. I want to be a youth leader like that guy. I want to lead worship like him. And, and the most awesome thing, like I walked in, I'm like, yeah, I was meeting with somebody. I was like, whoa. I was like, I was kind of stepped back. Like, here's two guys. They don't even live in this town anymore. And here they're having coffee together. And I, I tried to act cool, to be honest with you, because in my heart, I'm like, oh, yeah, these guys are heroes. And I'm just like, what's up? Hey, fist bump. Yeah. Hey, hey, good to see you. Good to see you. I'm like, oh, man, you guys are awesome. <laughs> you know, and it was like one of these, I tried to play cool, which I did. I didn't say anything about it. But it just reminded me, Mike, these guys made a big impact on my life. They're heroes. Another hero that I think about is Pastor Yoshi, uh, who is, uh, we just sent a team to Japan. Anybody went to Japan in this? All right, hey, there you go. Like two people. Yeah, we, you, know, you guys just met Pastor Yoshi. You guys hung out with Pastor Yoshi. Uh, and we just sent our youth team there, but um, he's a hero in my mind because a couple years back, me and Carl went to specifically go to Japan just to um, say hi to him, see how he's doing, because his wife was dying of ALS. She's actually, she passed already and is with Jesus. ALS is a, an ailment where you lose all movement in your body. She couldn't move a muscle in her body. She was bedridden, paralyzed. You know why Yoshi's a hero to me? Because we spent a week in his house, and I just watched him take care of his wife, make his wife laugh. You know, that was the one thing she could do was laugh, fed her, bathed her. It was just this amazing love I saw for him. And, and if you met Pastor Yoshi, he's Japanese, but he's the most non-Japanese person that I've ever met, right? Uh, you walk into his house and he doesn't say, oh, gozaimasu. He doesn't say that. He says, hola. I'm like, wait, where am I? What country am I in? 
He's just this funny, fun-loving guy. And he was doing the, the same thing to his wife that was dying, that had no movement in her. And I'm like, Yoshi, you're a hero to me. And that inspires me to just be a better person. Amen? To be a better Christian, to be a better, man, to be better for people. Like, man, I can, I can make a difference. I can do something. And so I want to inspire you through Bible heroes, through the heroes in your life. I hope that inspires you to step up a little bit and go, you know what? I can do heroic acts as well. And so the person that we're looking at uh, today is this guy named Ehud. And you're going, like I entitled the sermon, Ehu. Who is that? I mean, I, 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 it's like, man, how, how many guys have ever heard of Ehud? Not many, right? And he's this old, obscure person in the Old Testament in the, in the time of the judges. And so let me give you a background a little bit. So Ehud rose up as a judge of Israel. And so before they had kings, so you guys know the famous King David, King Saul, King Solomon, all those guys. Well, before they had any kings, they had these guys... Uh, these, they, they would judge or be the judge and the leaders of Israel. And Israel had a problem. Actually, Israel always had a problem where they would love God and then they wouldn't love God. And then they would go to church and they wouldn't go to church. And they would like, they would love and, and be good in their sin and they would fall back into sin. Does it remind you of anybody else? Yourself, anybody? We're, I'm including myself where we just, we're in this cycle of, man, it's like, we're doing good and we're not doing good. And Israel was just in this cycle. And so, but what happened was when Israel would fall away and worship other gods, they made themselves vulnerable to the other nations because they would, they would walk away from the protection of God and these other nations would come in and take over Israel. And this is exactly what happened. Uh, this country uh, of Moab decided to come in and just oppress the Israelites. And so that's what we're, we're I'm going to read, just bear with me, and I'm going to read the whole story, because it's really short, but I, I, I want, and, it's, and the reason why I want to read it, because it's pretty graphic, it's real violent, and so I don't want an email, like, that was a really violent message you gave, Tom, and I just want to say, I'm, I'm reading straight from the Bible, guys, like, it, it's okay, right? It's okay? Okay, and so and I love the Bible because it's just real. It just, it, it says it. And so here it is, and uh, it's, it plays out like a movie to me, and that's, that's why I love this story. In, in Judges 3, it says this, verse 12. I'm going to read the whole thing. It says, once again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, and the Lord gave King Eglon of Moab control over Israel because of their evil. Eglon enlisted the Ammonites and the Amalekites as allies, and then he went out and defeated Israel, taking possession of Jericho, the city of Palms, and the Israelites served Eglon of Moab for 18 years. Now, let's just stop in one and let's take that in. 18 years. That's someone who was born and graduated from Castle High School. I mean, that's a long time. And they didn't say anything. They're just like, okay, we'll just say they're taking over us. And, and then it, and it says this. Uh, in 15, but when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, they finally did for help. The Lord again raised up a rescuer to save them. His name was Ehud, son of Jera, a left-handed man of the tribe of Benjamin. The Israelites sent Ehud to deliver their tribute money to King Eglon of Moab. So Ehud made a double-edged dagger. This is where it gets kind of cool. And then a little, uh, it's a good dramatic here. He made a double-edged dagger that he was about, uh, about a foot long, and he strapped it to his right thigh keeping it hidden under his clothing. He brought the tribute money to Eglon, who was very fat. After delivering the payment, Ehud, this is a big guy, big king. 
After uh, delivering the payment, Ehud started home with those who had helped carry the tribute. But when Ehud reached the stone idols near Gilgal, he turned back and he came to Eglon and said, I have a secret message for you. And I want to I stop here because it's an interesting part of this story was he gave the tribute money to the king, which was kind of like, hey, you're still in control. We're going to honor you. And you guys, yep, you, you know, it's, you, we, we will, you will continue to oppress us, basically. And so he's walking back, and he saw the idols of the Moabite gods, the gods that his people did not worship, and it caused them to turn back. I think that's a, a key moment where he's like, nope, those aren't my God. I worship my God. I'm going to do something about it. And so here it is. He turns back. Um, and then, uh, let's see. He says this to Eglon. I have a secret message for you. So the king commanded his servants, be quiet. And he sent them all out of the room. Ehud walked over to Eglon, who was sitting alone in a cool upstairs room. And Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. As King Eglon rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand pulled out the dagger, strapped, it, strapped to his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. The dagger went so deep that the handle uh, uh, sorry, disappeared beneath the king's fat. I told you it was graphic. I prepared you for this. So Ehud did not pull out the dagger, and the king's bowels emptied. Now, that's pretty graphic. I'm going to tell you, there's some other versions that are even more graphic than that. You can go home and read those if you want. Uh, 23 says this, that Ehud closed and locked the doors of the room and escaped down the latrine. After Ehud was gone, the king's servants returned and found the doors to the upstairs room locked. They thought he might be using the latrine in the room, so they waited. But when the king didn't come out after a long delay, they became concerned and got a key. And when they opened the doors, they found their master dead on the floor. While the servants were waiting, Ehud escaped, passing the stone idols on his way to Serah. When he arrived in the hill country of Ephraim, he, Ehud sounded a call to arms. Then he led a band of Israelites down from the hills. Follow me, he said, for the Lord has given you victory over Moab, your enemy. So they followed him, and the Israelites took control of the shallow crossing of the Jordan River across from Moab, preventing anyone from crossing. They attacked the Moabites and killed about 10,000 of their strongest and most able-bodied warriors. Not one of them escaped. So Moab was conquered by Israel that day, and there was peace in the land for 80 years. Okay, so that's the story of Ehud, a little violent, but to put into context, they were being oppressed by Moab. They were captives. They were slaves. They were ruled by them, and Ehud rose up uh, to, to free them. And so simply put, I want to put Ehud's story in one sentence. Ehud became a hero because he had a unique gifting, a unique characteristic that allowed him to gain access into the palace. And because of that access, he ultimately brought freedom to his people who were oppressed, and he brought lasting peace. Would you say that's a pretty good summary of what Ehud did? Now, here's the thing. I can apply that same sentence to you and me. That same, I, I believe his story should be our story. And what do I mean by that? I am absolutely not encouraging you to go assassinate your enemies. I'm not doing that. Okay, so let's be clear. But I want to tell you this, is that you and I can be a hero 
by using our God-given gifts, our talents, our unique gifting that God created us to do, and that we can have access into people's lives that don't know Jesus. And because of that, we can bring freedom into their lives and offer lasting peace through the blood of Jesus Christ. Does that sound like a pretty good plan for your life? That you can be a hero and that you can introduce people to Jesus and, and, and in doing so, bring freedom and peace into their lives? That's what we're called to do. And so I want to I wanna say that sentence to you guys but I want to break it down, and I want to talk about it. And how does that relate to you guys? How does that relate to Ehud? And so if you're taking notes, um, my, my point number one is you are a hero. I've been saying that for the last 10 minutes, that you are a hero. But here's the, here's the thing. I get it. Some of you guys don't believe it or don't think, oh, no, I'm not qualified. I, I'm, not doing, I'm, not, I'm nothing special. And I want to say to you guys, like, you know what? You got to take a hold of that, that God wants you to be a hero. Because here's the most beautiful thing, is that God not only wants to save you, he wants to work through you to save others. He absolutely does, and I get it. A lot of you guys, you come to church for one reason. Man, your life, there's some stuff in your life. Anybody got stuff? You know what stuff is. Stuff is not good. It's that stuff that we're dealing with, all that heartache and that depression and the stuff we're addicted to and the family troubles and the financial issues, and we're dealing with all that, and we come to church for some inspiration to help our lives. But God wants to heal you and restore you so that you can rise up and ultimately bring that same healing and restoration to other people. You know how I view the church? It's a beautiful picture of the church. It's a hospital. Because who's the church? Is it the building? No, it's you and me, right? And so here's a beautiful picture of what a church is. It's a hospital. It's a hospital where people that are broken and need healing, they come here for inspiration to hear about Jesus so that they can make their lives better and be walking in their best life possible. But here's the beautiful extended picture of what this kind of hospital can do, is that those people who come in to be healed one day can also become a nurse and a doctor and bring healing to other people. I'm looking in this room, and I know some of you guys. You guys went through a lot of stuff. The beauty of this church is the guys that have gone through a lot of stuff, right now they're helping other people. They're bringing Jesus into their lives. And so I, w- I want to encourage you. Dispel any of the, 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 the things that are, are, are the excuses that you're saying, no, I'm not a hero. I want to say that you're a hero. And here's, here's one is in Acts it says this, uh, chapter 4. I love this verse because it says one thing about two heroes that we love, Peter and John, who were the, uh, the disciples of Jesus and, the, and became the apostles. It says this. They were talking to these religious leaders, and the religious leaders were kind of blown away, and it says this. The members of the council, these religious leaders, were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And I love, I love this verse. You know why I love this verse? Because it says one thing. They were blown away. They were amazed. Why? They were just ordinary men. They were just, they're, they were kind of nobodies. Who, what did Peter do for a living? He was a fisherman. He was like, man, and I, I, I love that. He was just, there was nothing special. He didn't go to school for this. You know, I look at my, my own life, I'm like, I'm born and raised in Kanyoi. Anybody? 4-4. Right down the street. I surf, I surf shore breaks. I, I'm like, I'm just a local boy. 
But I, I, I love the fact that God uses local boy to do extraordinary things. And I want to inspire you for one thing, that God's MO, this is the thing he does. He takes ordinary people to do extraordinary things. You included. Which means you got to believe that you're a hero, okay? And you got to do that. And so I, I want to encourage you for that. Um, but here's the one thing. Here's the little warning, okay? All of us, each and every single one, one of us is called to save, but we are not the Savior. Okay? So here's the one thing I don't want to happen. I don't want you guys to walk in out of here with a Messiah complex because Tom told me so. I'm a hero. And, you're, and I want people to follow me. And I'm, you know, no, you know what? We're heroes, but we're ultimately leading people to the, the, the ultimate hero, Jesus himself. Okay? We're always pointing to the Jesus. Is that, is that cool? Is that good? Okay. So number two is, is that you're a hero that has unique characteristics. So here's the story of Ehud. Ehud, a son of Jera, a left-handed man of the tribe of Benjamin. Right? Well, this is kind of all we know about Ehud was, one, he was left-handed, and what tribe he was from. That's all we know. And to be honest with you, when Carl's all, hey, you're going to teach this weekend, you know, I immediately thought of Ehud. You know why? Because I'm a lefty and I love Ehud. Anybody? I, don't, I just like, I love this because he's literally just left-handed. That's the only reason why I'm teaching this right now, guys. Seriously. <laughs> Total selfish reasons. Absolutely. Any lefties out here? Any left? Oh, there's a lot. I love this service. You guys are awesome because we're, we're, we're a rare breed that has ink all over our hands because we can't write. It's like... Try figure it out. Try, try to write with your left hand with an ink pen. Like, it, it'll, it'll just go all over here. It's the worst. Um, that was, that's it, guys. But you know what? It was his unique characteristic that made all the difference. Because if you read the story, how did he, you know, here's the thing. Back in those days, they thought being left-handed was a defect, which means they forced everybody to be right-handed. So if I live back in those days, it's like, nope, you got to use your right hand to, to, to fight and not learn how to fight. And so they, the guards did not search for a left-handed man. They didn't search for left-handed weapons. They searched for right-handed weapons. And so they missed his weapon. And so he gained access into, this, into the palace, to King Eglon's palace. And I want to I encourage you guys is that you have a unique gift, ability, talent, characteristic personality that is that causes you to do things that others can't, which means you're going to reach people that others can't because of those gifting, because of the special uniqueness of you. Uh, you're going to do things that I can't do. You know, you know what, what, you know what was, um, you know what was my secret weapon when I was a junior high pastor of this church? I'll tell you my secret weapon. I looked like a junior high. <laughs> I was about as tall as one, right? Apparent. Par- Parents would constantly walk into the junior high trailer when we had it. It's like, who's in charge here? Who's the, who's the, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of crazy kids walking around. I'm like, oh, uh, hi, I'm in charge. Hi. I was like, and they just related to me. And, and that was my, seriously, my secret weapon. And in Romans 12, it says this, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it, if it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for, uh, for showing kindness to others, do it 
gladly. And that's why in this church, we encourage every single person, discover your gifts. Find out what that is. Find out what your unique makeup is because you are God's masterpiece, amen? Ephesians 2.10, you are God's masterpiece, wonderfully made. You have something that I don't have. I don't have it. And you can do it. And you're going to reach people that I can because of that gift. You know, I, I'm a firm believer. And my dad, how many of you guys know my dad? Right? My, there's my dad right here. He's sitting right here. My dad has the gift of cooking. That's, that's, his, that's his God-given gift. And I believe to people in my, in, that used to come to my house, I believe people love Jesus more because they ate my dad's food. That's the honest truth. They're like, oh my gosh, there is a God. <laughs> I believe. But he just showered love on them. He didn't preach at them. He didn't know in the Bible too much. He didn't go to Bible seminary. He knew how to cook some good food. That was a gift that brought people to Jesus. Are you guys hearing me? That you can, what gift can you use? What gift, what special thing is going to cause you to do that? And that's why we encourage you guys to go to Growth Track. We, we, in step two, you know what we do? We take surveys to discover, to help you go, okay, what is your makeup? Are you introverted? Are you extroverted? What is your special gift? What causes you to fit? What, where, where do you fit in the body of Christ best? Because we believe in this, okay? Um, so here we go. I'm going to continue the sentence. You're here that has unique characteristics. And because of that unique characteristics, it, it gains access into places. You gain access that into places where no one else can go. And um, that's what Ehud did, right? Ehud hid the dagger, right? He was left-handed. He got access into it. And I, I, I kind of think of it this way, that you're kind of, you're sneaking in the, the good news, right, into those places. And, and, and Ehud had access into the place. And, and he had this, he was making a tribute payment, right? He had all these people with him, so he was invited and he was chosen. He was chosen by his own people, but he was in, also invited to come. And so where are you invited? Where are you chosen? What kind of group are you, are you um, do you have access to? Um, you know why? Because that access gives you connections, gives you relationships, gives you a point of view that no one else has that you can enter into someone's world, and that I believe this, that they can accept the gospel a lot better than they had from someone else. I, I used to tell my junior hires, right? Because I look like a junior hire. I used to tell them this. You know what? I could, I could shave. I could put on a King Intermediate shirt. I can, walk into, I can walk to school, and I can probably get away with a 50-year-old man walking around like, hey, guys, how you doing? Hey, do you know Jesus? Hey. You know, I could have done that. But what I did was, I'm like, you know what? You know who can do a way better job than I can is you. You know why? Because you already have friendships and relationships. You're a junior hire. You know their point of view. You can relate to them. You can share the gospel way more effectively than a trained pastor can. And I totally believe that, that you have access to places where I can't go. And you are better fit to bring the gospel than anybody else. Um, in, in 1 Corinthians, it says this. Um, in verse, uh, chapter 9, this is the message version. Paul's writing, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life, 
I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. And I hope you guys are inspired by that, is that Paul's going, I'm going to be all things to all men, right? I'm going to, I'm going to step into the world to get their point of view for one goal, for one purpose, to sneak in the gospel, to go, hey, where can I fit that in? And I, I believe this. I love his, when he says, I, I, I tried to get their point of view. Because I think understanding someone's point of view, non-Christian point of view, tough people who do not know about Jesus' points of view, if you understand their point of view, it breaks down barriers to the gospel. Do you guys believe that? I, I believe it does. I mean, here's a prime example. Back in the 90s, I was in the punk rock scene. I was a punk rocker. That's what, that's what I was. I had... You know, when, you know when Stephen said, oh, yeah, I saw, oh, you didn't hear Stephen's message, but he's all, the first time I met, uh, Stephen met me, our youth pastor, I had red hair. I was hired, and I had red, green hair. I had a leopard skin head hair one time. I used to wear a spike belt. They hired me as a punk rocker, basically. You know, I don't look like it now, but back in the 90s, I was. That's, that's, that was the scene I was in. So in college, anytime I ate lunch um, at UH, at the stairs of the campus center, anyone go to UH? Anybody? Nobody? Okay. Good school. I would sit with the punk rockers and I would sit with the metalheads every day, eat lunch with them. And they knew I was a Christian. I wasn't ashamed of it, but I, was, I, I had access to that world because I was in it. And so I was, my, my agenda was I'm, I'm sharing Jesus as much as I can, loving these guys. But then I remember there was a group that came to UH and they came to evangelize and they came to share Jesus. And they did it in the wrong way, in the wrong approach. They were a little bit judgmental and they were shouting and stuff. And can I just say this? I know this is church, but Christians can be irritating. Can I get a, anybody? Can I get an amen? Can I get a, come on. Christians can be absolutely irritating, okay? And I'm a Christian. I love Jesus, right? But I knew because I knew their point of view. I knew my friend's point of view that their approach and their, the way they're doing it, they weren't going to go anywhere. Actually, I was a little scared because, well, this might get a little hostile right now because punk rockers, man, they, they're punk rockers. It's like, oh, it's like, you know, when that, and so I was just like, well, what's going to go down here? And they all laughed and it was all over. But my friend said one of the most encouraging things. He turned to me, my friend Butch, he said, you know what? I would never, ever, ever go to their church, but I would go to yours. And I was like, it's working. I'm doing something right. I was like, I was like oh my gosh. It's like one of these, like, because I, I, I was torn, like, should I, do I have to be like that? And God's all, no, no, you don't. You're doing it. You're, you're showing Jesus to these guys. And so where do you have access to that you can share the gospel? Here's the one thing that I want to give you guys a warning because Paul says it in this scripture. He says this. He says, I didn't take their way of life. And so I want, to, I want you to make sure that you go with wisdom into those places where you have access to, that it doesn't make you stumble, that it doesn't like pull you into their, own, into their sin because I, I would hate for you to fall because you're like, well, Tom said I have access and here I go. And I mean, here's, here's a blatant way to say it is if you struggle with alcoholism, don't go evangelize at the bar. 
just, just be, go with wisdom and go with, you know, you can evangelize in better ways, but I'm just saying, if you struggle with it, don't put yourself in a place where you're going to struggle with it. Um, and so that's just a little warning. Uh, number four is, you know, we gain access for what reason? I, I love this reason, to set captives free. Our whole purpose is to set captives free. Ehud set his whole nation free because of his actions, because he, find, he, got, he had special giftings and access, and he ultimately um, um, freed them of, of the reins of Moab. And here's the one thing about Ehud is, is he, he knew his enemy. He knew very clear who his enemy was. My question to you guys is, do you know who your enemy is? You have a very real enemy, and I hope you recognize your enemy. And that enemy wants to destroy you. Jesus said this in John 10, 10. Um, He said, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose, Jesus said, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Satan's purpose, the enemy's purpose, your enemy's purpose, is to steal, kill, and destroy your life. He absolutely does. And I'm going to extend that, that he wants to kill, steal, and destroy your family's life, your friend's life. And I want to ask you this. Who in your life that you know are oppressed? They're captives. They're captives to their own sin. They're captives to their own addiction. They're captives to a bad marriage. They're captives to their own pride. They're captives to to, to mental illness. That right now, I know for a fact, because I have faces and names in my head right now of people that they need Jesus, not because I just want to tell them about Jesus, but but they need to be set free in Jesus' name. And who are those people in your life? Because the ultimate goal is to get them free, right? And I love this verse, and you should know this verse, because Jesus in 10.10 says, my purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life. Jesus' promise is to give the exact opposite of death. He wants to give people life. And here's another verse that you should know and love is Luke 4. Because in Luke 4, verse 18, Jesus states his purpose for coming, right? He tells everybody why. This is why I've come. And it's a, it's a most amazing verse because it's, he's reading a scroll from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet way, way earlier, centuries earlier, that predicted the Messiah will come for this exact purpose. And then Jesus opens that scroll, reads it, and says, I am the one that Isaiah was talking about. And it's this amazing verse in Luke 4, verse 18. It says this. Imagine Jesus speaking. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Oh, man. I mean, if Jesus had a mic at that moment, he would have dropped it. Boop. (laughs) Right? He's like, I have come to set the captives free. I have come to bring healing to the blind. Here's the most amazing thing. Jesus, he stated this while he was on earth. So he did his ministry, did all the miracles. He died on the cross for us, right? Shed his blood, rose again from the grave three days later, is alive and well. He ascended into heaven, and then he gave us the mission to tell others about him. In short, 
He made his purpose our purpose. Let that sink in a little bit. Jesus' purpose to set the captives free and to bring healing, he handed it to us. He says, you go do it. You go set the captives free in my name. You go bring healing to the blind in my name. You go be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I'm going I'm to help you. And the most amazing thing, Jesus didn't go, you go do it. I'm going to leave it to you, and I'm not going to help you at all. No, Jesus gave two things. You know what Jesus gave us? He gave us the power of the Holy Spirit, and he gave us the word of God. Those two things here, I'm going to read these scriptures. Two and the other amazing scriptures. Acts 1.8. Right before he went up and ascended into heaven, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witness telling him about me in the whole earth. In Hebrews 4.12, it says this, and I love this because think about Ehud who snuck in the double-edged sword. It says this in Hebrews 4, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's what we have. And so here's my question. Who in your life needs to be set free? Who in your life that you have access to, that you have a relationship with, that they have invited you into their world, that you can set them free, not by being the ultimate savior, but by pointing them to the savior? Who is that person? And then the last thing is, setting the captives free and you'll bring lasting peace. That's what Ehud did. He brought 80 years of peace to his nation. Um, and, and, And that's the same thing that we do. What we do when we introduce people to Jesus is we set them free and we bring peace into their lives. Jesus himself promised this. I'm leaving a gift of peace in mind in John 14 and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. In Philippians, Paul writes this. And this is the Amplified Version. I love this because it relates to Ehud. It says, in God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil, tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that that peace, which transcends all understanding, get this, shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Why do I think that's a big thing, that garrison and mount guard over your hearts that brings peace? Because... Think about Ehud. Think about the story of Ehud. The Moabites took control of this town called Jericho, which was in Israel, right? They had a garrison, a troop, and it was that garrison that kept Israel in chains, in captivity. It kept them, uh, it kept the Moabites uh, oppressing the Israelites. They had this stronghold. But when Ehud did what he did, he freed them of all strongholds. They crushed the the Moabites, and he freed the nation. And in the same way, when we introduce people to Jesus Christ, when that peace enters their hearts, it's Jesus who knocks down strongholds in their lives. It knocks down addiction in their lives. It knocks down depression in their lives. And then then God himself puts a garrison, a troop, a troop of his power to guard our hearts with peace. Come on. Is that good or what? That's what Jesus does. And when we introduce people to Jesus, that's what he does. 
Last year, uh, I'm going to end with this story. Last year, I, I went with Carl to uh, a conference uh, for the Foursquare Denomination in Seattle. And like I said before, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an old punk rocker. And uh, so one of my favorite punk rock bands was playing a couple days after the conference. And so I'm like, hey, Carl, well, I'm going to stick around a little bit. I'm going to go to this punk rock conference. Yeah, I know. I'm a pastor. I went to a punk rock con. Uh, you can send me an email later. And then um, so I went to one of my favorite bands. And so I went to the concert in Seattle, and I was watching the opening band. I'm just standing there. And then I, I heard a guy just come up to me. He's all, Tom Tom? I'm like, hey, what's up? And I turned around. It was my friend that I haven't seen in 20 years. I haven't seen him since the 90s. But I did hear about, about him. And there's three things I heard about him. One, he was hooked on drugs. Number two is he went crazy, which means he just kind of lost his mind. Three, he just burned bridges of all of his friends, and he just didn't have any friends, and he was just all alone. So it was one of these things when I heard about it, I was just like, how oh, my heart broke, but I couldn't do anything about it. And I just kind of like, well, God, I hope you take care of him. You know, I, would, I remember throwing up prayers like, oh, man, just be with this guy, please. I, I, don't, I, have, I probably won't ever see him for the rest of my life, but God, please take care of him, you know? And I, it just, my heart was breaking for him, but I couldn't do anything about it. But here he was right in front of my face. And I didn't know what to expect, to be honest with you. I was like, hey, whoa. <laughs> you know, I just didn't know where he was. But we started talking. I was kind of catching up with him. I told him I was a pastor. He knew I was a Christian back then. And then he told me this. He's like, yeah, you know what? I've been going to church. Because, you know, I got, you know, I don't know if you heard anything. I'm like, yeah, I did. He's like, yeah, I've been living with my parents. Lost a lot of my friends. They go to a Lutheran church in Seattle, and they've been bringing me. And he said this, and it's been helping. It's been healing me. He's been going, so it, he, he's all, he found community. He's finding stuff. And he's not perfect. I'm not, there's no bow at the end of the story. He's still struggling. But I was just so glad. And so I ended up praying with him. That's pretty heroic to pray with someone in a punk rock concert. It's pretty, it's pretty brave, by the way. <laughs> I can tell you right now. Uh, it's like, uh, what am I doing? <laughs> Pray with him. Had dinner with him afterwards. We talked. We just, man, we hugged. I still, I'm still in contact with him a year later, year and a half later. We're still, I mean, how, how you doing? What's up? Just checking up on him. And I look at it, I look at that moment as a God moment. It was a God moment. It was a God moment that he set up for me and him to meet, and for, him, uh, for me to encourage him. And here's the most amazing thing. I wasn't the ultimate hero in his story. It was his parents who brought him to church. I was just there to give him an encouraging word, and just a, man, I was like, I gave him access. So I just played a little part. But that little part matters, doesn't it? It mattered to me. It mattered to him. And, and, and I think it matters to God. And so I, my encouragement to you is, whether you play a big part or a small part, Man, look, play it, amen? Where, where has God sent you into? What, what, what realm, what world, where do you have influence that only you have influence because of your unique gifting and the access that you have and the unique perspective that you have that no one else can go? But you have the secret message of the gospel that you're holding on to.
that you can set captives free and bring peace into people's lives. Amen? God has God moments for you. I'm just encouraging you to step up to those God moments. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, I, the potential in this room of, of this, the impact that we have because we know you. Jesus, we are ordinary people that have been with you. That's what Paul and John had. They were ordinary men that had been, been with Jesus. Lord, we are ordinary men and women that walk with you, talk to you. We are with you. You are with us. And I pray that you would encourage us and strengthen us and create God moment opportunities for us to do heroic acts, to introduce people to the ultimate hero, you, Jesus. Thank you in Jesus' name. With all eyes closed and head bowed, I want to give an opportunity for anyone to declare themselves a born-again Christian, a follower of Jesus. Maybe this is the first time, or maybe this is a rededication. Maybe, maybe you've never done this before, or maybe you did this a long time ago, and you want to you know, maybe fell away a little bit or just kind of lost track, and then you're coming back to God. Well, I want to say a prayer with you right now to tell Jesus this. Jesus, I believe that you love me, and I believe that you died for me, and so I want to tell you I love you because I believe that. And because you gave your life, I want to give my life. Jesus Christ loves you so much. He wants a free, peaceful life for you. He wants to set you free. He wants to bring healing into your life. And all he asks is, just acknowledge that he died for you, that he did that for you, that he loves you. I'm going to say a prayer, and really I'm, all I'm doing is encouraging people to hitchhike off of my words to that prayer. You're going to borrow my words and say it to Jesus himself under your breath. You don't have to have anybody else here. But can you do me a favor before you do that? Can you tell me if you want to say that prayer uh, to Jesus can you tell me you want to pray with me by simply raising your hand right now, whether it's a first time or a rededication? Anybody want to say that prayer with me? We got one. Anybody else? We got two. We got three. We got four. We got five. Anybody else? Anybody else want to say that prayer? We got another one. Hey, I see you. I see you. Either a first time or rededication to Jesus Christ. I see you guys. I saw. That's awesome. Say this prayer under your breath right now. Lord Jesus, I love you. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Why? because you first loved me. And I acknowledge that because you died on the cross for me. You got, you got beaten and bloodied and hung on a cross for my salvation, for my freedom. You rose again from the grave three days later. You are the Lord and Savior of my life. You are the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And I worship you and I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. Hey, let's give those people a hand. Yeah.